0: Welcome to Carve Your Own Fucking Path, a podcast featuring candid interviews with unconventional entrepreneurs who are boldly building a business and a life on their own terms. I'm Willow, your host, media coach at B Productions. As a media coach, I meet you and your team where you are to improve your on-camera presence and storytelling. Together, we create engaging videos you'll be proud to share far and wide. All of the guests on this show have a really big mission and inspiring story to tell. You'll hear messy truths and unconventional paths of entrepreneurs who are showing up and being seen and we dive deep into that experience. I'm excited for you to meet my next guest. Okay, let's get to it. Meredith Grundy is my next guest. She is an award-winning theater director, producer, former Second City improv teacher, and an actress and a playwright. She's an all around creative and she took all her experience and her skills and her love of improv and being on stage and uses it to teach people how to public speak better. So she goes in and works with teams, uses these theater techniques like improv in order to build connection and trust and empathy and really having them think out of the box. Let's meet Meredith. So nice to meet you.
1: Yeah. Nice to meet you too. I appreciate you reaching out. Of
0: course. We're in a similar line of business.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to get to know you too. And I just was listening a little bit to your podcast. So I'm excited. Thank you. And I like that you use
0: the word fuck. I know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're like, hell yeah, I want
0: to be on that. Yeah,
1: I'll be on that. It's so funny. There's this one person that I met recently who has his his business is fuck fear, but he Mm -hmm. has a really hard time owning the word fuck. And he's Canadian. So maybe there's something to (laughs) that. Maybe.
0: (laughs) He's not American like us. so We We can fully embrace fuck. (laughs) Exactly. Well, thank you for being on the show. Let's just dive in. What is the path that you've taken? And I'm sure that's a long answer. So, you know, a little bit of your backstory.
1: Oh, my backstory. Oh, well, I always wanted to be on stage. And I remember when I was a kid, I wasn't that kid that was in sports. Like I I was I didn't gravitate towards soccer or baseball or any of the above. And I was the kid that I always like huddled against the wall during dodgeball in complete terror that it was going to hit me in the face. And uh I took that as a sign <laughs> that maybe <laughs> that that form of fearlessness which later I developed, but that form of fearlessness at such a young age wasn't quite for me. And, uh, I remember a friend of mine, Mona Meta. her parents put her in a dance class and she said, do you want to do this? And I said, great. And we were nine. Mm-hmm. And so I went home and finally my parents were like, thank God she's gravitating towards something. Cause I think they were a little worried oh, that okay. I wouldn't have that extracurricular activity that all, all American kids are now doing, you know, in, in like too much. I think parents are running around like crazy. Yes. Uh, Anyway, so my parents put me in a dance class. I started dancing and I was on stage at age nine and I loved it so much. And then when I was in middle school, I was in this dance piece where I had to do a turn, stop, and then say out loud to the audience, when I grow up, I want to be just like Wonder Woman. And this woman came up to me after and she said, you have a beautiful stage presence and I really love your voice on stage. You should be an actor. And I went, ooh, an actor. Uh, Okay, so mom, dad, can I take an acting class? And they said, yes. And then it was kind of all over from there. I just, I loved it. I loved being on stage. I loved telling stories. Mm -hmm. I loved the community. Theater people are crazy and I love that about them. Uh, and so that's how it started. And then when I graduated finally from college and I had a, I had kind of a tripped up path, I couldn't quite figure out, I feel like no one really said or gave me the permission to, to pursue it in college. So the idea of like a theater conservatory or any of that, like I, that just wasn't in my my mindset like I had no clue that that was even available to me so I just dabbled in and I went to three different colleges because it's like I think all I want to do is act and so it's none of these really support that but I finally graduated amazing and then moved to San Francisco where I lived for four years and that's where I was originally introduced to improv uh, through hmm. theater sports and I in Enjoyed it quite a bit and then found this group and started performing in this little cafe with this group, uh, which the name escapes me now. I think it was called Ad Nauseam was the name of the group. Okay. And then... uh, And then after that, and then I did a bunch of experimental, crazy theater with a bunch of crazy actors that I loved in the San Francisco Fringe Festival. And then we had a a guy in the sketch comedy group that I was in. And he's like, I'm going to Chicago and I'm studying improv. And I'm like, I want to go to Chicago and study improv. Mm -hmm. So I interned my way through what was called uh, Improv Olympic, then IO. And it's unfortunately unfolded during the pandemic, but uh, interned my way through that and then performed on those stages for a few years and then during that time second city said hey we're starting this youth program would you like to to help with forming that curriculum and then also teaching in our courses and i was like uh yes i I would thank you very much so i ended up i actually ended up teaching the very first class of their youth program and it was to a group of (laughs) six-year-olds
0: Wow, that must have been interesting.
1: So it was very interesting. It was mostly like herding cats
0: <laughs> yeah, and pretending
1: that we were grocery shopping with imaginary carts and food. So it was it was a lot of fun. And then I grew from there and ended up teaching a lot more and teaching mm-hmm. the adults. And then uh ended up teaching a course at the Second City where an executive coach was one of my students. And he said, hey, can you come? help me out over Mm -hmm. here with some of my clients and I was like sure and then I did a little bit of that business stuff with the second city too and I just loved it I loved it and then one thing led to the next and people kept throwing me into these situations like would you help this CEO with their presentation or would you help this person with their uh on-camera skills or would you help and I would just yes and it
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: uh went from there that was it that's my story in a nutshell right That's (laughs) that's <laughs> that's my natural. you are welcome yeah,
0: that's well again i'd like that you you have this passion for acting for theater for that community i can r- really resonate being mm-hmm. a drama kid as well theater mm-hmm. through college and not knowing what to do with it necessarily or yeah. that you loved it but then sounds like no one was saying this could be a career yeah path for you the difference okay so theater and then there's on camera right did you ever go in that direction? Did you try maybe the LA scene or any sort of film production?
1: You know, I actually rented a car and went out to LA and I had a couple of meetings set up with managers there and I didn't resonate with it. I felt, I I just quickly knew at that young age that I wouldn't jive with that scene, that I just, I don't think I would have, my internal being wouldn't thrive in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, I always wanted to live in New York, but I do feel that I had this underlying, and I can see it now, but at that time I wouldn't have called it fear. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but yeah. it was definitely a fear, which is uh, funny because in, I'm, I'm going to reveal my age to everybody, but in my mid, early 40s, I was like, my husband and I decided... Let's just move to New York. So here we are. That's amazing, (laughs) right? It's not the ideal opportune time that most actors move to New York, but here we are, and I'm I'm actually quite delighted that I did, even though half of the time I've been here has been spent in a pandemic. Okay, so this was
0: very recent, super recent,
1: yeah, and that's a whole story in itself.
0: Oh, I bet. Okay, well, (laughs) we're the same age, so. Oh, good. Yeah, good. I thought you were going to say something crazy. So, yeah, you're you're fulfilling that dream Mm of moving to New York City. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's never, do you believe that there is a right time, though?
1: I don't know if there's, you know, what I have noticed is, and this is where I think I'm not conventional at all, is that there is, I have felt like there's a pipeline Kind of built in to to some of these mm-hmm. like in, in la especially and in new york especially new york i feel like the pipeline is more like what school did you graduate from mm. okay and how can we cultivate that relationship there's a it's a, you know the theater arts is a very relationship driven uh form and mm-hmm. uh career choice which I, most 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 professions are relationship driven but i think even more so the theater and film community and uh so that some of those relationships start at a really young age when you're in college and some of your university professors are in the industry as well and so it makes sense it makes sense that that pipeline lives there and is there uh because we want to work with people that we like and trust and who Mm -hmm. also offer talent and wisdom into the space um what You asked the question about the film industry, so I didn't do L.A., uh, but I did get an agent when I lived in Chicago. I did a fair amount of commercial work, so I was doing a lot of commercials. I did a lot of commercials in Denver, Colorado as well, which is more Mm -hmm. of a non-union market, Mm -hmm. Uh, and really grateful for my relationships with both of those talent agencies and the agents within them and uh, did voiceover work and still do occasional voiceover work and actually still audition uh, for commercials Mm -hmm. and have a commercial agent here in New York, which is fantastic and have done a few short films and so forth and have
0: dabbled in all of that fun stuff. So
1: I hope that answers your question.
0: Yes, it does. (laughs) It's sometimes it's like one, you know, the theater path is one way and the film is the other. Right. Again, it sounds, I mean, it sounds like you love the medium Mm -hmm. no matter Mm -hmm. which way it it plays out. Yeah. So the being seen, Mm -hmm. was there a time, let's say, you know, back as a kid that you didn't feel seen and this was potentially a way that you could-
1: Yeah. Oh my God. Thank you for that question. You know, I'll be comp- I'll be vulnerable here and share. I had a father who had PTSD mm. from he was a Marine in the Vietnam War,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, it was more during my informative years that he started to have flashbacks and and so forth. So as a uh, preteen into my teenage years, there was a lot of turmoil happening in my home, and so I would say yes, I wasn't being seen, and I was being told that where on one hand they were supporting my desires and passions to be on a stage, they were also not supporting it as a career choice because uh, they didn't understand it. So coming from a conservative family where my father was pretty linear in his thinking, plus dealing with a trauma and a mother who was trying to keep the family together because of the trauma, I did feel uh, pretty invisible and so would the stage for it, and I'm an extrovert and, mm-hmm. and I will repeat my, and I have a habit now of repeating myself because I feel like I wasn't being heard. Oh. And so I have to really work on that for myself. And, uh, I think, what was the point? What was I going to say? <laughs> I lost track. Uh, Cause there were multiple things <laughs> entering into my brain at the same time. I feel that. That outlet for me and my extroverted sensibility was to be on a stage and and be amongst theater people who supported mm-hmm. me and saw
0: me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, that. you're welcome. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. I can just picture picture it. You know, this is yeah. like sounds like a safe place for you to explore and, and be yourself and mm-hmm. and understood. And it being a career choice when at that age, did you actually think this is something I could do forever? And did you have any role models as well? Anyone that was in this space that you looked up to?
1: Yeah, I did. I had a teacher, Maury Evans, uh, who I adored. And I felt like he gave me permission to follow my dreams and follow my passions. And I, I, you know, it's funny cause I've never, I've never been conventional. Mm -hmm. I feel that I've always followed uh, what my curi. I was more about the curiosity and less about the end game, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So I, I, uh, I would get curious about something over here and I would find myself in these circumstances that would just then lead to the next thing. But because I feel like, and people have said this to me in the past, they've had a hard time figuring out where to put me. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. That <laughs> I just went, okay, well, I guess I'll just leverage that. Yeah. <laughs> because
0: put what me the in fuck a box. am I
1: going to do with that kind of feedback? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're late so, again. Uh, yeah. So I said the word fuck, is that
0: okay? I'm uh, assuming it is. Okay, I can bleep it out later. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> No, <laughs> oh, it's funny if people ask that I'm like, absolutely that's okay. okay, good. let good. it let it rip. okay uh, okay, so curiosity driving most decisions for you
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: What are some of your top values?
1: Uh, I value creativity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I value honesty uh, i I value adaptability and flexibility mm-hmm. And I value uh the uh ex what is i, I don't know how exploratory sensibility like i value that like the the
0: curiosity piece hmm hmm yeah thanks for sharing yeah in the improv it sounds like that well what drew you to improv first of all it's such a unique i feel mm-hmm. like you know space in the theater world and it's so different than here's a script rehearse it and then show up it's like you're just in the moment so what what about it really lights you up i just
1: feel incredibly free with improv and i have it's funny because i'm taking this storytelling workshop right now through akimbo which is seth godin's organization Mm -hmm. and one of the questions was uh, about one of the first prompts was about telling your story and writing your story. Mm-hmm. And I my response was, I actually, ha- it's more of a struggle for me to sit down with pen to paper or on on my laptop to write my story. Mm-hmm. But if you were to ask me to hop up on a stage and improvise my story, I have absolutely no problem in the world doing that. So there's something about they the form in itself that gives me freedom and i think that when people think about improv they don't think about container or form they think it's just have at it Mm, right (laughs) and that 's true right, and yeah. what what is beautiful about improv is there is a lot of container to it there's a lot of form to that contain mm. and, and that in itself, if you get good at it and if you continue to practice those forms, then you can find the formlessness that's where the freedom comes from and so what i what I mean by that, and I think for your listeners, what might resonate with them is like if you talk about whose line is it anyway that's usually. Mm -hmm. people People know know that right um because it was on television for such a long time they're given these short forms to perform within Mm -hmm. so they know the structure structure, yeah right right so the more they know and are comfortable with that structure the more formlessness and fun they can have within it and with Mm -hmm. with each other they can start to connect on that relationship level that they can start to uh follow their impulses and their instincts and then their natural inherent honest humor can emerge right Mm -hmm. and and so then yeah so that's the short form piece that the games right and that's a lot of when you teach improv and when i incorporate improv into uh my coaching practices as a public speaking coach i'm helping by giving them a container so that they can find that adaptability, they can feel what that feels like. So when they're up on stage, or they're giving a virtual presentation, and something goes wrong, at least they know the container enough to where they can find the adaptability and be at Mm -hmm. ease within that structure. And I think that's
0: important um, to recognize when we say improv. Yes, I'm so glad that you outlined that, because a lot of the perception and that's why it's so scary for people is that you're just, you're exposed, potential feeling of exposure. And am I going to be funny enough? Am I going to be, it's, it's more, again, I just, because I've done improv, so I know that fear of, it's more about the, it's the performing side that Mm -hmm. people get caught up with. And I think what you just said was that there is a formula. Mm -hmm. And so how does that, well, I'm curious about how that translates, translates into your real life with this structure and this knowing of, of this?
1: Oh, that's such a great question. Well, <laughs> it's so funny cause my husband's a composer. So I don't know if like, he's, he's got that science brain and he's, he's a Virgo. I don't know if that even adds into the equation, but <laughs> yes, I think does. it does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so he's very compartmentalized. He's incredibly great. He's really good with boundaries. He's really good at the checklist. And uh, so I am all I'm like the polar opposite. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of I'm shiny object girl. Like yeah. sometimes and and so it's beautiful because I learn from that though. I go, oh, maybe I could just take this one little baby step and implement the checklist today. Mm-hmm. What would that feel like? Yeah. Right? And how can I create like I've tried even the Pomodoros, right? With the 20, what is it? 25 minutes where you work on one thing Mm. and then you take a five minute break and then you do another 20 to 25 minutes and then you take a five minute break. I even struggle with that. I am such an improviser. If someone calls me, I am delighted to hear from you. I am not gonna put, I'm, I'm not gonna stop the call from coming through i'm gonna pick it up or if you're like if i said that i had something scheduled on this day willow and you're like i want to interview on this podcast i'll be like let me move that around right like so that that is how in my day-to-day it has actually worked for me i would say 85 percent of the time and then when i notice it's not working for me is when I start to feel the anxiety or I start to feel the burnout, or I start to feel hmm. uh, that maybe I'm yes anding too much because I do think, and I don't want people to get confused by yes and, which is a huge improv thing, mm-hmm. uh, that no can live within the yes and. So you can you can say no so that you can leave space for the big yes and, yes. right? And I think mean, it's super that. important, yeah. and. I have, I have, over the years have learned to get better at saying no, mm-hmm. uh, which was hard for me. So I hope that yeah. answers your, your question, but I do in our household, learn a lot from my husband. And I know, even though he's not here to speak for himself, I'm going to put words in his mouth. He's mm-hmm. learned from me too.
0: That without a doubt. <laughs> Absolutely. It's the two pieces coming together. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you did if you had a partner that was very similar. That can work for some people, right? But that container, or that you know more structured, we'll use that word, really matches because I'm sure you bring out that side of him that's unpredictable, that's in the moment. And I just wanted to clarify the yes and for people, yeah, in improv, if someone throws something at you, it's a yes, Mm -hmm. and and giving giving it back. So it's like kind of like playing. You know, whatever Mm -hmm. that sport would be, Mm -hmm. Um, tennis. You pass (laughs) it back, and so if you say no, then it stops everything. Yep. So I just wanted to clarify for people. Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh yeah, thank you. It's uh, improv again is is something that allows that authenticity. That Mm -hmm. word, I'll throw that you know buzzword out there. Mm -hmm. And and well, do you find? I mean, really you have so much experience on stage and performing in all these ways, teaching now for many years with corporate, you know, in that corporate structure, are there times where you don't want to show up and you don't want to be seen? You don't want to, um, I don't know, is there, I'm sure there's moments, but if you could speak to that a little bit.
1: Yeah. I, now that I'm, older and this word no is actually something that i've embraced as a it can be a positive thing uh i am i i this is i'm glad you're asking this question you might have to edit out some of my (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my rough draft thought here. No, not at um, all. Right. Unscripted. Yeah, it's my unscripted thought. <laughs> so I'm going to repeat back what I think the question is, just to be clear. Are there times when I don't want to show up? I don't want to be seen. Yeah, I am tired mm-hmm. of this, this industry not being valued and the artists mm-hmm. within the industry not being valued. Okay. And there are a lot of performers out there a lot of performers who are not getting paid what they deserve to be paid. A lot of institutions not receiving the funding that they should be receiving. And uh, the way that the the arts are valued in this country, and I'm not going to say globally because I don't have a a large enough perspective, but in this country, not as valued as as they could be. Mm -hmm. Right now, because of that pandemic, there are performers having to make a decision of whether they take an equity, which is a union show or stay on unemployment because the unemployment is actually paying them more to live off of right now. That is a ridiculous place to but have to put somebody who has a home and children.
0: Mm-hmm. I have a
1: daughter. She's 10. Like you just, yeah. that's not okay. So the decisions I make when I don't, when I choose not to be seen, it's probably because I am not getting paid mm-hmm or there's okay. not enough money being offered for me to actually live off of yeah and I you know there's you know, I used to have a qualifier it was three things it needs to be pay. there's three it, great project great people and pay and yep. if two of those three things fit the criteria amazing I'll take it but I can't do that anymore I can't mm-hmm. do great project great people anymore no It's not a, we can't keep putting artists in that place. Right, yeah. So often, so lately I've been doing my own work. I've been creating my own opportunities and creating my own projects.
0: Mm, Okay. And then finding the funding on my own. Interesting. Yeah. Wow, so you're taking, you're blazing that path now. Where, so going to the, I'm still stuck in the Improv in Chicago. Yeah, please do. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it is them. And because I'm just like, I am picturing you there. You're loving it, you know, around all these other artists. You're like, these are my people. And then you have this student who is an executive coach. He mm-hmm. sees something in you and, mm-hmm. and brings you into his world. Did you have any knowledge or understanding of his space of working with an executive in this world?
1: no. Except that I was always curious about the business world,
0: Mm.
1: always curious about it. Yeah, I worked only in corporate America
0: for two years. Same, yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And it was when I was working at Second City. It was when I was I was a temp. I got and then I was, you know, I did my work. So they're like, they put me on full time, and it was in an insurance office. Mm. Right, dying (laughs) inside. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what is this about? What's going on with you people? Why is no one communicating with each other? Mm-hmm. It was really a challenge. And uh, I do feel that that, that uh, opportunity to be a temp actually gave me great insight into some of the struggles mm-hmm. that teams have. Right. It did give me perspective for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also it gave me perspective on, uh, I was kind of the odd duck out. I was, people would always make fun of my boots. I had these awesome boots that I wore all the time. I'm like, what is, what is up? Why is everyone always commenting on my boots? They're really not that big of a deal. If I went to the theater, everyone would be like, amazing boots, but I come here to this like corporate setting and Mm -hmm. everyone thinks I'm the crazy creative. So that also helped me realize like, how are we utilizing each other's skill sets to help amplify the team, the voices of the organization and so forth, rather than ma- like putting people down.
0: Mm-hmm. Why are we not lifting people up? Yes. So, so this was, was something huge. you saw.
1: That firsthand. was something yeah. I saw
0: first. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Firsthand.
0: And with this, with this, um, executive that brought you in to mm-hmm. his world, did you then, mm-hmm. so this was about 11, 10, 11 years ago maybe a little
1: bit more than that but okay. yeah mm-hmm.
0: a little longer ago so but <laughs> right, you started your coaching business officially yeah mm-hmm. 10 years ago so yeah. Yeah. you were brought into this space and then how well did it translate your background did you have an adjustment period of like maybe i'm i'm this creative coming in did you have that with what was your identity let me just ask you that what was your the identity that you mm
1: well i struggled with the identity at first i will say so the first assignment i had was with a financial institution with this executive coach and the The beautiful thing is he also brought in like two or three other improvisers to help him out. Mm. And he made this connection pretty early on, which is he was doing a psychological assessment in the particular one. He was using, you know, like the Myers-Briggs and Mm -hmm. disc and so forth are the ones that people are most familiar with. He was using the Berkman assessment, which puts people Mm. into these quadrants of uh, personality type. Okay. And so it would highlight the different personality types, and this is where I came in, which is I used improvisation, applied improvisation, if you will, mm-hmm. and I say applied because how is it applicable and and usually the magic using improv in a more uh, corporate setting is in the debrief, like what did you notice? what did you feel in your body? Mm-hmm. How are these different uh, what how did these different personality types show up in this particular exercise? How could have you how could you have supported each other within this context, right? Okay. Uh so really diving in to see, because in improv there are no real world consequences. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So it gives it gives a safe, brave space for people to be able to experiment within these these structures that I offer into the space Mm -hmm. so that they can have a deeper realization and uh, of their day to day uh, habits, the way Mm -hmm. they
0: communicate or listen. So So you give scenarios, real life scenarios.
1: I would give real life scenarios and I would I'd start getting better with bridging the vocabulary. And I think that's where it comes in is the bridging of the vocabulary from my world into their world so they can understand what it is that I'm bringing into the space. Mm -hmm. My identity was a little bit I do feel that we want to compartmentalize. We want to put people into lanes. Mm -hmm. And so I do remember one particular time the executive coach says, tell them. That you worked at Second City because that's a known name, especially since I was working a lot around in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And um, don't you don't need to mention all of your other theater stuff because I think that just confuses them. And so mm-hmm. I would just mention the Second City, and then it felt like I had to take that that performer piece of me and shed it just for oh. that for that particular um, workshop. And so I'm- recently I've. I've started to really own that I am a performer because for a long time I was compartmentalizing myself without even knowing it and trying to sound more corporate and trying, mm-hmm. and I was like, God, I sound boring. I'm not yeah. boring. What happened? Like, what happened to me?
0: <laughs> wow, interesting. Yes, yeah. because you're, you're a performer. Yeah, You can put on different identities and personas, sounds mm-hmm. like, so in this in this corporate environment, you can play that role Mm -hmm. and you started playing Mm -hmm. it very well, clearly because you're still doing it. Mm -hmm. And how is that? What has been the evolution in that, in that space for you?
1: Yeah. The evolution in that space has been, I started getting contracted out by more people like come work. I've worked with multiple industries in manufacturing auto industry Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of startup IT uh, software developers. I've worked in Agile and Scrum. Like I, I, literally, wow. people have said, "Can you come in here and help design a curriculum around the needs of this particular team?" And I just, I always dove in with a big smile and a big yes, and. And because I have also cultivated a community of amazing humans Hmm. that are wicked smart that I could call upon and say, hey, I've got this thing and can you help me out? And I am I'm all I'm also a big believer in giving back. So I've started like a circle and I and that's my extroverted, you know personality, but like I feel community and who you surround yourself with is super important. Um, And from there, I had uh, another woman that I actually improvised with quite a bit and she did a couple. She was an actor for a couple performances that I directed and her and her husband uh, have an organization where they coach uh, physicians for the Mm -hmm. pharmaceutical industry on how to communicate better with their patients. Uh, So I've worked there. So a lot of like working with people who have a lot of didactic information that they need to bring to life, which is That's probably the most challenging. Um, Yeah. So all walks. It's been wonderful. I've learned so much about so many different industries. And so it's funny when people always say to me, like, what's your avatar? Who's your niche client? I go, oh my God, don't ask me that question. I don't know. <laughs> don't, yes. everyone needs to know how to be a public speaker, dang it. Like
0: <laughs> It's true. Right? I, yes. And it's like
1: you, everyone needs to know how to be on camera these days and, and mm-hmm. speak to the media.
0: Right. And it's so important. They're crucial skills. Yes, definitely. And, and the entrepreneur world, you know, it's always, yeah, who's your ideal client, who's your avatar, like you just said. And, and it sounds like to put, you could put maybe, you know, have some identifiers, but Mm -hmm. you've been introduced to so many industries and companies. So it sounds like people are generally reaching out to you.
1: Yeah. Most people have been reaching out to me and and I've been cultivating a lot of relationships with people, uh, Mm -hmm. during this pandemic as well, which has, I just find I just love people. I just yeah. love I love learning about what people do and mm-hmm. and what they bring into the community. I just feel I just feel super grateful. Yeah, for that those opportunities that the, slowing down the pandemic forced me to slow down because before it I was in a gazillion different directions. And oh, okay. I think it has really yeah it really helped me value.
0: Uh, new relationships and cultivating those.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. So the pandemic being a performer or being someone that you're going into organizations physically for the most part, right? Were Mm -hmm. you mainly doing in-person workshops and things like that? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just tell me about that experience of going from, you know, pre-pandemic and then one day to the next i'm assuming you know completely switching up your whole business model mhm mm-hmm. yeah tell tell me about that yeah
1: so i i essentially shifted gears cuz i was traveling a lot and i love traveling mm-hmm. and uh I was, and so when the pandemic hit truthfully the first 3 months i i was just Because my daughter also, I was having to, and my husband's also a freelancer. Mm, So we were trying to figure out how to make all of that work. And we were living in at that time, which was working for us because we were always gone, but we were Mm -hmm. living in a 500 square foot apartment. Oh my God. And we were on top of each other. My husband's a musician. I mean, so like he's trying to teach online courses. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. So I reached out to one of... um, to took uh chris hill who has hillside communications and i said let me let let me help you with online engagement so i helped him with online presence how are we going to do this pivot and so that's Mm -hmm. where we started and so a lot of the work that i've been doing has been with online engagement Mm -hmm. uh how do you like how to use the camera on zoom Mm -hmm. how to how to set up those rules of engagement so that you have successful meetings uh i've been incorporating improv exercises into whether they know it or not (laughs) into uh (laughs) into all of the workshops that i've taught Mm -hmm. and uh then recently i just launched an online community through mighty networks called confidently speaking uh for group coaching, cause I really okay. do. And I enjoy the, the community aspect of things. I do with a one-on-one coaching as well. Mm-hmm. And so that picked up tremendously
0: during the pandemic. I, I loved on your website, it was um, shit I have done in quarantine, <laughs> quite a few things you've done. <laughs> Yes. I've also
1: done creative projects. I, I have, I did a. I did this random monologue one day. I was like, I'm going to just do a monologue about what this feels like to be in a pandemic as, um,
0: in a, a character
1: awesome. though. Yeah. I don't know if you watched it.
0: I did. Yeah. It was with your daughter, right? She's like, <laughs> mom, my daughter mom. was in
1: it. Mom, mom, mom. And, and I actually entered it into a competition with a theater in Alabama and I won 50 bucks. Oh, nice. <laughs> So that was super fun. It was totally, awesome. it was literally like, I'm just going to do this today and do this yeah. one shoot thing. And then I started a podcast
0: as well. Oh, yeah. I did. Add that to the list.
1: <laughs> of course we did. Of
0: course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Tell me a little bit about your podcast.
1: Uh, so the podcast is called, Are You Waiting for Permission? And a couple, oh, geez, Louise, four years, three, four years ago, uh, my family... Took an RV trip up through the south of the U.S. and then and then into Mexico, and lived in Central Mexico for a couple months out of that time. And I, uh, we went to Central Mexico to a place called San Miguel de Allende mm-hmm. uh, because we had been there the year before, just as uh, to Probably. because we were told that it was an awesome place to visit. So we went, mm-hmm. and I had met this man Joseph Bennett who is an expat that lives there with his husband Eli Hans and they are a phenomenal couple mm-hmm. and Eli and I hit it off and he's an improviser and he has a group in San Miguel uh, of expats who do improv and yeah. so I taught a couple workshops for him and uh, he's a wonderful life coach and creativity coach and he reached out to me in January and he said I want to do a podcast with you." so that's how that came to fruition because i said yes that was my big yes and yes. uh and we just released our 11th episode mm-hmm. and it is uh us interviewing artists and creatives who have given themselves permission to live their dreams in the lives that they want awesome it's been great yep very
0: cool mm-hmm. so the two of you interview this person yeah. at the same time okay yep
1: yeah and we have kind of a fun banter Mm-hmm. And what, what I don't think of he does, I think it's, it's a good
0: synergy. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. great. That's Mm -hmm. everything you need. Right. Obviously. Yeah. So what are you most proud of? Oh, what am I most proud of? That I like to lay these on at the end. (laughs) What did you say? I like to lay these, you know, just light questions. What am I the most
1: proud of? Mm. Uh, You know what? I'll just go with first thought, best thought which is i am really proud of my daughter i know that has nothing to do i just really am she is a magical human being uh we adopted her when she was a newborn baby and uh she is a bright light man she bright she'll walk into a room and everyone is uh she just lights up a room. She's just got this magnetic energy mm-hmm. and she has done an incredible job in this pandemic. It was a little rough start, yeah. a rough, rough start. Uh, Cause it's a lot for those, for the, I mean, I just, my heart goes out to the kids in this pandemic because they're still in abstract thinking. Like they don't, mm-hmm. they don't get the nuances that we do. And some adults still don't, but, right. <laughs> but she, she has done a a tremendous job Mm -hmm. of finding her, her voice and her purpose, you know, just getting her homework done is a big deal. Yeah.
0: You know, so
1: I would say that's what I'm most proud of.
0: Yes. I know. I wanted to ask about her as well. And, and, you know, having parents both Mm -hmm. in the creative space and living unconventionally, Mm -hmm. what are her hopes and dreams at this point Does she want to follow in mom's footsteps?
1: Well, it's funny that you asked that question because she during the pandemic she said, "I want to work like my my mom and dad." Mm-hmm. Uh, because they work all the time, which is true.
0: Mm-hmm. We do.
1: We work all the time, but we love our work. And um, we need to work. Yeah. <laughs> and we're all in the same <laughs> and we're all in the same, you know, home together during this time. And, uh, so she, we got on, I said, okay, well, let's get you a business. Let's start a business then. And I got online and I Googled, um, kids entrepreneurs. And the first thing that popped up was mighty business. And it's an online platform where kids get to build their own online store and they, Pro- they put the products the products that they can put into the store are all made by artisans throughout the world and they have a relationship a sponsorship with uh national geographic yeah. and so she picked what she liked put it into her store she came up with her landing page it's called harper's sunshine store yeah. and uh then they have it set up beautifully and i was a little bit jealous because i'm like oh my god this is all beautifully laid out jeez i wish i wish they would do that for adults (laughs) is there an adult version of this store (laughs) and uh and then she sent out an email announcing her her new store and she started to earn her own money and so she gets a a portion of the profits the artist gets the majority of the profits Mm -hmm. and then mighty gets 10 percent of the profits And it's just this beautiful platform. And so that is how, yeah. So now we have three entrepreneurs in the house.
0: (laughs) Watch out.
1: Watch out world. (laughs) Yeah. And they're a wonderful organization. And we actually interviewed one of the founders Mm -hmm. on our podcast because I love this idea of giving kids permission and agency to uh, learn about money. Mm Mm-hmm without having to give them money for chores, which we don't do anyway, because we feel like that's a part of the home. You just do the work because you're a part of a family. So someone reached out to me not too long ago and, and asked if she wanted to audition for a movie. Hmm. And I asked her if she wanted to, and she said, yes, but there have been other things in the past where she's been invited, whether that be film or, uh, Theater where she has said no.
0: Oh, okay. We just,
1: we just. She's, I. Th- she reminds me a lot of me. It's oh, pretty is. interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I was gonna say that's just like. Awesome yeah. This. A little bit, but she loves her Roblox right now.
0: Roadblock. Yeah. Oh, the Roblox.
1: It's an online game where yeah. kids interact with each other and they play characters and. Okay. uh So. Her creativity is through telling stories through that. And I got to say, there's some pretty good stories when I eavesdrop. Oh, really? That's really cool. Interaction. It's interaction. interaction. And they're making up stories. I, I will say that my first impulse is I enter in with judgment.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: right? Yeah. Why is this so cool. interesting? Oh, my God. I roll, eye roll, eye roll. But lately, I've started to go, okay, Meredith, what is it really that she is enjoying about this what is the Mm. what is it about this that because that's what artists do too right as creators we constantly sit in a place of curiosity so sometimes i go okay stop being judgy what can you learn from it what's what are you curious Uh about because i guarantee somewhere down the road someone's going to bring this up and i will have the knowledge and will have had the curiosity enough to maybe add to the conversation or help mm-hmm. help elevate somebody's project by knowing a resource that somebody else doesn't know about. So that's the power of curiosity and creativity, right? Yes. We have a Definitely. choice.
0: We can be judgy or we could be curious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll get you very far yeah. in life for yes. sure. <laughs> yes. And you, I'm jumping around, but you- Oh, I love it. I, I said that you know if there were what would the title of this podcast be, mm-hmm. and you said take time for the space in between. Mm. I'm curious about that and what that means for you.
1: Yeah, I I think it well it means for me multiple things, but I remember when I wrote that I was thinking about rules mm. and how certain people mm-hmm. interpret rules. And we're a very, you know, since the day you go to school, you're taught the rules, the do's and the don'ts. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking back, and this is in relationship to improvisation, to when I did teach kids, when I was younger and teaching kids. And I remember I would do what I would call, a, in some of these theater classes, a composition, mm-hmm. which would mean I'd say, okay, we're going to create a story together as a group. So four or five kids are gonna go away together, and this was usually middle school kids, you're gonna go away, and uh, I would like for you to use one chair, find a prop of your choosing, like an object of some sort, Mm -hmm. Uh, you're gonna have a moment of song, you're gonna have a moment where everyone needs to be in unison together, Mm -hmm. and then here's some found text. So I would give them like a quote or text from Shakespeare or something. And I'd say, you have 15 minutes, go, right? And I would send them off on their merry way. Every single group inevitably would run up to me and say, can I, can I use a cloth? Can I say this? Can I, can Um, I, can I, can I, can I, can I, can I, I, right? And so it made me think that we we still do that as adults. Mm -hmm. We get the structure, but if the rules aren't, if we don't have enough, we're constantly asking, can I, can I, it's like someone needs to give us permission to take a risk to make a choice. And I always found that fascinating because those were the rules. Mm -hmm. Right. Whatever you do outside of that is way up to you. Yeah. Right. So when I say think between the lines or what's living in between is to take that time and space and that step back, To notice what you notice and notice what is in that in between space, whether that be in your day to day life, whether that be in your career, Mm -hmm. uh, whether that be in your creative process, but what is in between and how can you give yourself permission to explore that space? Yes.
0: That's what I meant by that. Thank you for explaining that. I I would have interpreted it totally different. How would you have interpreted it? I figured it was more about your journey mm-hmm. in that taking more time potentially to like slow down and maybe not now knowing that you're a yes and person, mm-hmm. you know, maybe saying no more and taking, taking things slower. That That's how mm. I interpreted it. Mm. Well, there's, that's true too. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Many different meanings. And yeah. And so I, yeah, the permission thing is it resonates so deeply because we are, told in so many ways what to do, what not to do. And yeah. so that the the taking risks, living differently, more unconventionally, what we consider unconventional, whatever that means exactly. But um, that doing that is so, it's looked at and revered now, but that's after you've done it and you've had some success, for example, then it's right. looked at as wow, good for you, you really took a risk and you did something different although it isn't necessarily nurtured in the mm-hmm. process especially being young i don't there isn't many people saying you can do whatever you want it's it's like kind of you know staying within this within this box or this area right. so personally i know that you know i was waiting for permission mm-hmm. for so long i don't know even know from who but it, it that feeling yeah is very real it's very real and i It's, and it's
1: interesting, like, yeah, I guess my question for your listeners would be like, what, what are you waiting for permission for? Mm
0: -hmm. What does
1: it look like to give yourself permission? Right. And there's no right, I don't think there's, there's no right or wrong way to do something. Mm
0: -mm.
1: There's a path that's been paved. It's only because that path has been paved in a certain way, but there, there are multiple paths that can be paved to the same goal. Mm Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be so linear.
0: Right. Right. Totally. Yeah. We're again, just the linear path, or I say the prescribed path, you know, so clearly outlined, I feel like, and I I hear it so much too. It's just, and even you brought up earlier about, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up and that type of thing. And that it wasn't necessarily, it didn't seem like a possibility for you to do Mm -hmm. this, Mm -hmm. you know, ongoing. And so, You know people thinking either they're told what to do like this is an acceptable you know path to take or um but so many of the times i think there isn't guidance there isn't like a someone leading or you know mentoring oh
1: yeah Yeah. i think mentors are so important i'm Mm -hmm. huge i would say if you can find a mentor yeah find a mentor because i somebody that you look up to, somebody who's achieved some of those goals that you want to achieve. I think that, um, and I think it's also okay to ask questions. I think there's this myth that we need to have all the answers. If you're, Mm -hmm. especially if you're in a certain position, like a leadership position, for example, that you're supposed to maintain this, uh, persona that you have all the answers, but it's okay to not. And actually it's better. It's, it's, you're more successful if you can admit that you don't have all the answers
0: definitely right That's something i see with the expert that label mm-hmm. is like it's almost kind of a branding you know you're you're an expert in this and you are teaching and sharing your knowledge all the time rather than showing up with that curiosity i feel like there mm-hmm. isn't a lot of space for that
1: there isn't i i like to think of it as beginner's mind you show up into this space with a beginner's mind and that we've said it, but the curiosity piece, like what, what, what is something new that I can learn from this today?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Keeps it interesting. And it makes us better listeners too. Right. That's, you know? that's a huge one. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Listening. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up because that's another thing with the improv. Yeah. It's yes. Uh huh. Present in your body. So I wanted to, I know we're, you know, going over the time, but I, would love if you could share some of the common problems that you see or common things that people struggle with in mm-hmm. their presentation and like being present mm-hmm. and what, how you would help someone if you could just give a kind of a quick couple yeah. tips. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm going to start with belief system. One is mm-hmm. noticing one's self-talk and we hear just yeah. like artists here, starving artists, uh, professionals hear, uh often that speaking in public is one of the number one most feared things to do and where that might be true you have to notice what your what what information you're taking in and what you're choosing to take on and so I would really look at that negative self-talk and see if you can't do a practice and I encourage people uh to journal their thoughts when something happens notice what you feel write it down notice your self-talk and how can you transform that into something that's going to actually serve you so that what i would say would be the first piece of it and then the second piece is teaching people how to practice i hear oftentimes uh practice 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 and you will feel confident you will be a great public speaker where that is true oftentimes people don't know how to practice right and so my job is to give as many tools as possible on that vocal work on how Mm -hmm. to practice how to i'm doing air quotes when i say memorize because that's another topic in itself but the more tools you have you can learn what works for you and adapt Mm -hmm. that into a routine that will best serve you there is no one size fits all approach mm-hmm. and my job is to give you as many tools as possible so you can figure out what approach does work for you and so that is how i i like to work because it can be very very overwhelming for people who do not are not given sizable steps
0: mm-hmm. to
1: become better speakers yeah. and um and also the last thing is some people who come to me actually um are not feeling confident, or they're very confident and think they're actually better speakers than they are, than they are. Yeah, and I mean that, and I say that with love.
0: <laughs> you have to kind of right. bring them down.
1: I gotta kind of bring them down and be like, yeah. let's let us let let's be curious here. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. And okay. it's a fr- and people are afraid to tell story. Mm-hmm. People are afraid to be vulnerable. There's a lot of fear in that too, and yeah. or to touch into what a feeling is and and mm-hmm. being willing to share that so
0: working through those things as well. Right. Okay. So the storytelling piece, is, you you help people, do you teach the structure of storytelling or is it ultimately, it's probably both, but it's both. you help them pull stories from their lives that mm-hmm. they may seem, think that it isn't valuable or worth yep. something. Okay. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yep. I, I, I have a core values workshop uh, worksheet that I give people that yeah. Because I think being really clear about what your values are, and I know a lot of people use that in, in their professional uh, uh, development, but it, I think it's also helpful because it inspires story. Well, mm-hmm. tell me about a time where you were creative.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's something you value. Yep. What's that story? Give me the details. What were you feeling? How did that change you? Right? Yeah, that's
0: great. Mm-hmm. It's all, its specificity is huge. Yes. And I find that people struggle with that getting to to the details or and I think part of it is that they don't take the time
1: I think they don't take the time and I also think that from what I've heard people say back and of course I'd love to you know hear your thoughts on this as well I think people don't think their stories are interesting right all the time and they stop themselves yeah yeah no yes
0: we do care we do care exactly It always is shocking when I, I hear that a lot, for sure. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with social media and mm-hmm. showing up and sharing just off the cuff, for example, or um, in any kind of way, just sharing, teaching, and that that is the biggest thing that stops them. Yeah. No one's listening anyway. No one cares. Yeah. I don't think it's painful to hear that.
1: It is. Pain- well, I think, you know, something I always say to my clients is it's not about you.
0: Yeah. Exactly. It's really not about
1: you. Yep. It's about, it's, it's, it's not about, you. Yeah. sorry. Um, yeah. and I, you know, uh, and it took a while for me to learn that as well, especially as a performer mm-hmm. in this industry, but like, it's about who you're serving. It's about the, st- you're serving the story and you're serving the, the audience. Yeah. You're adding value to the audience. So.
0: Right. Why are you there? And, and this message again, if remove yourself from the, from the equation, does this message need to be shared, yeah. you know? Yeah, if it affects one person, and that—that's such a huge reframe for people mm-hmm. realizing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you're right. It's this will help somebody, you know, yeah. and that's essentially what we're in the business to do is help.
1: Yes. Help people. Yeah. So. Hundred yeah, percent. And what are you
0: most looking forward to?
1: Hmm. I am looking forward to a vacation. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> yes. I am looking forward yeah. to traveling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm looking forward to those. I'm being a little bit more free and my heart goes out to parts of the world right now that are still in this pandemic that
0: mm-hmm. we're not out of the weeds yet and uh, right. all goes well. Mm-hmm. So. And how can people find you? And and you do have a group coaching. So if you can like walk through all the ways that people can find you and work with you.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so I'm on com, and that's spelled G-R-U-N- d-e-i coaching.com and that's my main website for my uh, team coaching uh, and also one-on-one coaching and then I have confidentlyspeaking.club so you can find me at www.confidentlyspeaking.club and that same thing I just got a new is memberships.confidentlyspeaking.fun because I wanted to put a little bit of fun in there uh so those are the ways you can find me and then my my performance website is meredithgrundi.com and meredith is spelled m-e-r-i-d-i-t-h grundi.com so
0: you can find me there as well
1: and instagram oh gosh and you can find me on instagram at, at meredith Coaching and at thisimprovisedlife uh, I've got two Instagram. Account- There's a lot of places you can find me. I am not, not on yet. Facebook though. I got yeah. off Facebook. Yeah. I was like, I want to love my, my relatives by the time all of this is over. So yes, smart. Empathy is a big deal to me. Uh, nice. so I am not on Facebook and I, you can find me on LinkedIn.
0: Great. I'll list all of these. In the okay. Show notes. Thank you. But I love <laughs> you're everywhere and that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, thank yeah. you. Thank you for. Being here and sharing your story. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Appreciate so. it. Thank you. Yeah. And come to Lisbon at some point. Okay. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> not so far. Not so far. Yeah. <laughs> thanks again. Really All great right. conversation. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode brought to you by Be Scene Productions. If you enjoyed this conversation, find and hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you want to go ahead and leave a five-star review, that would be amazing as well. If you're looking to elevate your on-camera presence and create engaging videos, check out bsceneproductions.com or just connect with me directly on email, willow at I also hang out on Instagram at whereiswillow. Thanks again for being here. See you in the next episode. Until then, keep carving your own fucking path.